that dream was a lie? Well, this wouldn't be the first time you lied, you bald jackass. Welcome to episode 57 of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It's the middle of October 2019, and we'll be discussing some new comics and some spooky comics. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me as always is my mutant orgy... Patty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast, follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. Why do I say this every episode? Aren't you following us already? Why? Why wouldn't you be following us? Don't you like us? We want you to like us. We like you. We think you're great. Don't you think we're great? Please! Please follow us and like us and think we're great. Love us and follow us. Oh my god, I can't take this pressure. And speaking of pressure, are the kids at school peer pressuring you to curse? Do they think you're lame because you're not using all the latest and hippest bad language? Well, they're right, dipshit. Fucking everyone curses. Grow the fuck up and get used to it. What are you, some kind of narc? Fuck narcs. Fuck narcs right in the hairy Canadian asshole. Like hairy Canadian assholes? There's your explicit content warning. Yeah, Canadian assholes. What? What? <laughs> so hi, we're uh, we're we're back. Back again. <laughs> after a snafu, after a faux pas, <laughs> after a foobar. I just learned what foobar stands for recently. It's fucked up beyond all repair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I didn't know snafu that. Snafu stands for something too. It does. It does. Something for, they figured that one out a long time ago. But Fubar was in a magazine that we got in at work that I have to look through before I route it through the office. And I saw Fubar in there. Somebody used it in an article. And I was like, what the hell does this mean? And then I looked it up and I'm like, wow, I cannot believe editorial was okay with that. But yeah, so there you, there you go. You learned something. Or maybe I was just the last one to learn it. So, so we're back again. And uh, Jonathan is sick. Jonathan has... Jonathan is always sick. Jonathan is, well, okay, so he's sick often, but not as often as he's been the past few weeks. But this particular time was immediately after New York Comic Con. We went Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And on Monday, I'm feeling rundown, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's a fucking long weekend, lots of walking, lots of little sleep. And, uh, and so that's all. And then Tuesday I wake up and I'm a little congested. And then Wednesday I'm more congested and, and things are starting to come out of places. And then uh, Thursday it's just all the things out of all the places. And then Friday there's even more things out of even more places. Wow. <laughs> I'm so glad that you, uh, you said all that. Okay, okay. But I'm not talking about my butt. All right, so, <laughs> so we're not, I'm not talking about that. But, but still, I got my Monster Energy drinks and, and, and we're going to do this. So yeah, so so obviously the first thing that we're going to talk about is uh, is some of the fun that we had at New York Comic Con. We had fun, right? Yeah. Did you have fun? Yeah, I punched somebody in the shins. All right, so we're going to start off with the assault. <laughs> All right, let's just dive right in the deep end to uh, assault. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, I guess that's the number one highlight of Comic Con 2019. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, I got, I got real mad. <laughs> All right, so uh, so moving on past the assault, so that can't be used in court, a court of law against Patty. You almost made somebody cry too. That was a fun. That was a fun thing. You remember? Oh, yeah, by the yeah. food. Yeah, you almost made that dude cry. I was waiting in line in my wheelchair, and he like caught in front of me, and I was like, "Whoa, buddy! Hello! Do you not see me here? Do you think that I'm less of a person because I'm in a wheelchair? Are you fucking kidding me?" And this guy was just like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." 
And I'm like, yeah, you fucking better be sorry. <laughs> he, he almost cried. Oh, my God. <laughs> he almost, and he went away and paid for his stuff and then passed by again and apologized again profusely. Well, <laughs> next time he'll know. <laughs> he don't fuck with me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, but we we had fun, you know, walking around and seeing things and and uh, seeing people in cosplay and you know and that was fun. Went to a couple of panels, all of which were 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 good. Even the bad one was good because it taught us a lesson. It taught us that the women at Marvel are the real next big thing at Marvel. The women are the friends you made along the way. What? 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 <laughs> Why can't they be more than friends, Patty? God damn it. Hashtag not all men. Yeah, so we went to Marvel's Next Big Thing panel. We went there last year, too. It was a sausage fest. Actually, we went three years, I think. And it really? was a sausage fest. Yeah, every year we went. Was it last year, maybe, that they had, like, one woman and she was just, like, a translator oh, or something? She came out on stage for, like, a minute and yeah. stood there and then, like, went on her way. Yeah, she was she was not an important person. They were just no, like, we right? need a vagina in here. And I, Stat, somebody get us a vagina. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and that was the extent of it and then she was on the stage for like a minute or two and then she was gone and that was it it was back to the guy stuff and and not to say that like for me anyway that none of it was interesting because this this whole stuff was about like the hulk and thor Thor. and like who gives a shit you know maybe if they said something about spider-man okay but they were talking about like boring ass shit even last year it was like conan i'm like okay excuse me Maybe I don't know what the next big thing is going to be, but it is not going to be Conan. Are you fucking kidding me? Have you seen his big ass muscles? I have seen his big ass muscles. <laughs> that is a big thing. Okay. I'm assuming he has a big thing too. <laughs> he is always fucking the ladies. Did you know that? Conan is always fucking the ladies, but he's a nice guy. Uh-huh. He's in showing us that the nice guys can get laid by all the ladies. Wow. I know, what right? What a message. There's the message. <laughs> Uh, but no, in, in all honesty, um, some of the Carnage and Venom stuff I thought was interesting, but I can't afford... That's not the next big thing. I can't afford to read all that shit. I would, I would love to. I've heard nothing but good things. But yeah, Patty's right. Like, none of it was interesting. It's like, oh my god, Al Ewing is taking over this title? Oh, Donnie Cates is taking over this title? Like, I'm glad that people are excited, but... There's a lot more to comics and a lot more that, like, the women could be contributing. Case in point, when we went to the Women of Marvel panel, it was nothing but interesting stuff. Because not only were they talking about comics, and I didn't even care. To be honest with you, I don't even care about a Morbius comic. The art looked freaky, but, like, I liked it. But it wasn't just comics. It was fucking, like, young adult novels. It was animation. It was a fucking theme park. How they're making, like, an interactive section of fucking Disney to, you know, be themed around the Avengers. And, like, that may not sound interesting, but if you saw and heard what they have in store, and these are all women, too, you know? And then we got to watch a cartoon. And I loved the cartoon. Like, they touched on everything there that these women of Marvel are doing. Even video games. Because I remember that. I remember they showed a little bit of the video game. Yeah, that looks cool. Yeah. So, so it was, it was, it was really neat. And I called them out for it. Marvel out for it. I probably should have done it at the Marvel Next Big Thing panel, but I didn't. I was we just going fucking, to. We just fucking left because who cares? And of course, we were there during the Dawn of X panel. I tried my best to live tweet. That is not as easy as it sounds, but I tried. But it was, that was still neat, too. So, yeah, other than that, you know, we had, like I said, we had a good time. But we also got to talk a little bit to a whole bunch of different creators in Artist Alley, most of whom were very nice. We talked to Ben Percy, trying to get any information he could give us about X-Force. He said that Gene, he literally said Gene is going to fuck some shit up. 
in X Force. Good. Uh, I told him that <laughs> I drunk tweeted him. Yeah. And said that I jizzed my pants Yeah. when I heard that Gene and Quentin were going to be on an X-Force team. And he was like, uh, thanks. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I figured you probably assumed that I was a man. But I thought it was funny because I know I'm a woman and I can't do that. So I thought, oh, wow, this is hilarious. But I was just really drunk. Oh, we'll see about that. Challenge accepted. All right. <laughs> yeah. But but what was even more interesting was that he said that she's not going to be agreeing with Beast that they're going to come to like some moral conflict and the two of them are going to be on different sides of it. And I can't wait to take Gene's side on that one. Uh, but he also told us about, and we had heard about this, about the retreat uh, when they were talking about the X-Men and apparently literally all of these mutants names were like on the table. I don't know. Remember if he said index cards or whatever, Yeah. but everybody was just trying to grab who they wanted for, for their book. And, uh, and yeah, so, so he got, he got Gene. Apparently there there must have been two gene cards and, a, and several few, Wolverine several cards. Wolverine cards but uh, but I thought that that was interesting. Art Adams was there. I really had nothing for him, but as he was signing the fucking uh, New York Comic Con catalog, I was like, I am going to ask you a really stupid question, and since you're already signing, it's not going to matter. It's going to be too late because I'm going to have your signature, so it doesn't matter how dumb it is. And he immediately started laughing, and that's when Patty snapped the picture of him, and I thought that was perfect. It was really cute. And I was like, do you think your parents named you Art because they knew you were going to be an artist? And he laughs out loud, and he goes, get out of here. Yeah, I'm sure he's never heard that before. Okay, good. Thank Just you. Just like I've never, you know, I've never heard Patty Mayonnaise or... Or Krabby Patty before. I'm, never. I'm, never in my life. Then how did you know of those and say them out loud, Patty? <clears throat> Next, we, we talked to Matthew Rosenberg, who is a really nice guy. And he, he said, we found this out last year when we talked to Adam Gorham. He said that New Mutants was going to be an ongoing. And Rosenberg said he had like 24 issues uh, ready or at least working on some aspect of the story that it was going to be 24 issues. Karma was going to be evil. She was going to take her Dead Souls team that we saw and then use them. And then the real, like, new mutant X-Men, like Cannonball, etc., were going to come in and have to stop them, and there was going to be a split in the team. Apparently, this was the most interesting thing. Some, he didn't mention names, but he said some of the people in editorial did not know about Tran and thought that that was an original thing that Rosenberg came up with, and that he had to explain it to them and where he got it from. I thought that was fucking incredible. Well, I mean, you know, the editors can't know every facet of everything that's happened in every book. Excuse me, there's me. Put me on editorial. <laughs> but he, he did say, though, that Hickman's schedule kept changing, and so they were telling him to, like, hurry up things and, like, finish... And then they're like, oh, wait, wait, he's not ready yet. So there was like a lot lot of juggling. That it, sounds like what happened with the fucking Clone Saga in the 90s. Mm-hmm. If you hear, like, I'll send you the the link. There's like a whole thing explaining it. It was because like it kept going on because at first there was like something else big that was going on. So they didn't want to end it at that point. So that's why they kept it going for so long. But everybody loves that story. It's perfect as is, Patty. Yes. What <laughs> is actually my friend Mark's favorite story, and he him. said that that's Stand just by. because he grew up in the 90s. I grew up in the 90s. That's not my favorite story, but I will say this. Even if it is one of the most hated stories in all of comic book history ever in the universe and ever will be, Mark, you love it. You love it or list it. Don't list it. You love it. Okay, good. So I don't want to say really who this was, 
Not that probably anybody from Marvel is going to listen to this and be like, this person is in trouble. And I don't know how much of a spoiler this is, but somebody with inside knowledge told us that in New Mutants, you know, we we already know that the the team is going to go trying to find Sam, and it's going to be kind of weird because all of the New Mutants are kind of young, which we figure by looking at the pictures, we kind of like, huh, they all look sort of like, you know, teenagers again-ish. Sam, and this makes sense, Sam is old. I mean, he's not old, but he's his age. He's his age because he hasn't been on Krakoa. He hasn't gone through all this stuff. He's been in space, so he's still in his 20s, while the rest of the New Mutants are younger, and that's going to be weird. And I said to this person as he was saying it, I was like, whoa, spoilers? And he just had this like smile on his face like, oh, shit, should I not have said that? And I was like, no, don't don't worry about it. But I thought that was that was kind of interesting. Again, it all makes sense, but somebody just kind of, you know, spelled it out. We uh, we talked to Marcus Toe, the artist on Excalibur, upcoming Excalibur. He said, Apocalypse is going to have a thing for a woman with an accent. I'm assuming he does not mean rogue, although that would be interesting. We can forget about the whole Logan Scott Gene love triangle, and the new one is going to be Lipsy Gambit and Rogue. Nice. <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to be Apocalypse is going to have a thing for Captain Britain. I don't know. That sounds like, I mean, I guess she already hooked up with the blob, so I guess she doesn't really have standards. Whoa. 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 Hey there. Ho there. Whoa. Hi there. Hi there, Miss Body Shame. Let's just do that. Doesn't matter what's on the inside. It matters what's on the outside. Yeah. Great, so that's the takeaway for this episode. We're going to start doing that. Mutant Musings Takeaway, according to Patty. It's always going to be according to Patty. And the Mutant Musings Takeaway for this episode, according to Patty, is it doesn't matter what's on the inside. It's what you look like on the outside. Exactly. Moving on. <laughs> so this was interesting. When I talked to Declan Shalvey briefly, I was just most interested in if we could get any more information about his pitch for X-Men Green. And one thing that I don't think he originally said, or at least I didn't remember from reading the article earlier this year, was that Banshee was going to be keeping Black Tom in the dungeon. And Teresa wasn't going to know about it, and she was going to be pissed when, uh, when she found out. So I thought that that was neat, Black Tom in a dungeon. I feel like that family has kept so much from Teresa over the years that just like, stop it. But she deserves to know the truth. And has she ever told any of them about her clone baby that got reabsorbed? You remember that one? You remember that I fun time by your favorite writer? Do <laughs> remember that, but I don't remember if she told her dad. I, I don't know if he, he was, was alive at the time. No, yeah, he was dead. I was like, everybody's dead. Who can keep track? Black Tom was probably dead too. But yeah, yeah. So Black Tom was going to be in the dungeon where no sunlight could get to him and his plant couldn't grow. That's sad. Uh, Nisieza, not a whole lot to say, except that he was super, super nice. No, no, there is something to say. He was super nice. At the very end of Friday, we were walking around Artist Alley just to scope out who was going to be there so we could do more of it the next day. And he was packing all of his stuff up. His stuff up. And I had gotten uh, New Mutants 98 in very, very good condition for a very, very good price. And I was like, let me get this signed by the one creator of Deadpool who matters. And uh, he had just put his markers away. Table was empty. And I was like, I I'm just going to ask him anyway. And he did it. He did it. I didn't get charged. He even took a picture with me in my in my friggin' cosplay. And that was super nice. We saw him again, uh, the, was it Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Okay, we saw him and we got him to sign the catalog because we, we sent one sign to a friend of ours. And yeah, he, again, he was really nice. 
talkative, you know, just a very, very nice guy, right? Yeah, he's a lot nicer. And, you know, I told him that I just read all of New Warriors. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, huh, I wonder who is writing this because it's pretty good. And then I looked and it was Nicieza. And I was like, oh, right. This was the time that he was writing everything. everything. Yeah. And he was like, actually, this is like the first book that got me to like launch my career with Marvel. And then it was after this that I started writing everything. Uh, Ryan Gonzalez. She is awesome. I am so happy she was there. I knew she was going to be there. I was like, all right, we have to go see her. If you don't follow her, go follow her. She does, like, some of the cutest fucking art you will ever see. And uh, I've commented on a lot of her art before uh, from the Mutant Musings account on social media. And so we, you know, we came up, we saw her, and she got up. I told her who who we were, and she fucking gave a print for free. What was it? What was it, Jubilee? Because you took it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was really excited because I was going to buy that print anyway. <laughs> but uh, when we went to see her, she was actually sold out of a bunch of prints. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I wanted the X-23 one and the magic one, but the X-23 one was sold out already. Mm. The original artwork that she did of it was actually sold, too. And those oh were very expensive. Very expensive. But I'm glad that she was able to sell them and that she sold out of so much. And Jonathan showed her the Untitled Goose Game trailer. Oh, my God. She was sitting next to uh, the artist Bengal. Yeah. And he was like, I've been telling you about this game, that you need to play this game. Because <laughs> the two of you started talking about Fire Emblem. And I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, listen, the two of you can get back to this afterwards. But have you heard of or played Untitled Goose Game? And that's when Bengal looked up. He's just kind of sitting there. This, like, grimace on his face and just head in his work that he's drawing as we're, like, gushing over her. As soon as I mentioned Untitled Goose Game, and he's like, I've been telling you to play that. So I got to show her the trailer. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. It was so funny. And she was just really nice. And it was a really good time. Dan Slott, we we talked to him for a couple minutes, too. So he was offered the uh, position of head writer on X-Men by Axel Alonso. And he said no. He said that there were too many gaps in his reading history with X-Men that he didn't think that he would have done a good job and, and that people would have known. he wasn't really an X-Men fan. Yeah. So why would he do it? And it should be given to somebody else. And I get that, but I thought that was nuts. I'd never heard that before. But what was really funny was when they had planned the Marvel Swimsuit Edition, he was going to be writing a blurb for Polaris, and Pip the Troll was going to be saying it. And it was going to be, and now for a lady who always gets my compass pointing north. Fantastic. I loved it. I know. That's exactly. He was like, you're going to hate this. And I was like, no, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. So that was perfect. And then we uh, we also met David Nakayama and Todd Nock, both of whom were very nice. Uh, Nakayama was doing uh, an Evangelion commission. And so that was dope. So we talked to him about that a little bit. And Todd Nock. Uh, when we saw him, I think it was Sunday, and he was uh, explaining his perception of like art to two to young ladies who were in front of us. He was dressed with a Fantastic Four shirt. He's got the gray streak in his hair. I'm, lo- I'm like, he looks and sounds like Reed Richards, in addition to being Peter B. Parker. He looks and sounds like a dad, and I love him so much. Dad knock. I just want to adopt him as my dad. <laughs> he's so sweet. He, he is. He, he's very nice. 
So yeah, so we had a great time at New York Comic Con, and we'll mostly, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it later. But for now, after spending all that time gushing over our time at New York Comic Con, we've got a couple of new comics to talk about, and it is time for the end of Hox Pox. Finally, I knew you were gonna say something. I knew you were leaning back. You were fucking, you were cocking that load, <laughs> and then you pulled the trigger. And I shot the load all over the place. Shot through the heart. And you're to blame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, House of X number six. This was a great issue. Sure. Mo- moving on. Nothing happens. Yeah, we found out where Moira was in this timeline. Because we... I didn't know we didn't know that. <laughs> must be wonderful being forgetful sometimes. You know what I mean? When everything's constantly a surprise. <laughs> we uh, we just saw a little bit of that in Dang and Rumpa, huh? You got something in common with Gonta. I was just, I was just like, how? <laughs> why does this matter? Like, I don't know. Whatever. Moira lives matter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it said no space. And I was like, well, in the first issue, it said no place. I didn't hear the term no space. But whatever. She's in her no-no. And I knew it. I knew she was going to be hidden away in a no place or no space, and that nobody knew that she was there. Why? Because nobody has made mention of it. Nobody has mentioned Moira in this timeline, but she has to be alive. Patty, if you do this to me, I swear to God. I swear to God. No, because, but think about this, okay? So so nobody has mentioned her at all, but she has to- That's rude. But she has to be alive, because if she dies, then everything resets. So they have to keep her someplace hidden and safe. In the no place. Like Walt Disney. No space. Like Walt Disney. Yes. Well, they, they mentioned in Powers of Ten, number six, X. that uh, they faked her death. So nobody would know. So what? Everybody... No, they did. They did mention it, that she faked her death. If uh, you say so. In Moira's journal. Uh, read her, her. She's like an open book. Read her. But so Magneto's like, all our disagreements, the anger, that ends today. You have my word. So, okay, fine. But then right after he says that, Xavier sends out a telepathic message to everybody on Earth. Pharmaceutical breakthroughs by mutant scientists. All of this we've made for you in the past, they would have been a gift. Because I believed it would create harmony between our two peoples. But you have taught me a harsh lesson. And to hear him say that dream was a lie was fucking nuts. Now, I don't know about you. The cake you. is a lie. I don't, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. One giant revelation at a time, please. Now, Xavier is not a good dude. To hear that from him is still, it's just, it's crazy. You see all these shots of people in the hospital, a meeting room, Avengers, Fantastic Four, and he keeps going on. These drugs, there will be no gift, for you have not earned it. We will, however, let you pay for it. Just the gravity of those words, we will let you pay for it i liked the part where it showed the avengers when he said you let us die you let 16 million of us die and you did nothing and right? they showed the avengers and i'm like yeah where were you fucking assholes you didn't give a shit and fuck you you know what anytime anybody brings up the avengers i'm like fuck the avengers they're the worst team you only like them because of the fucking movies you're stupid poser you sit next to me in those movies patty i know <laughs> what but because the X-Men aren't there, you don't really see the Avengers being shitty. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's true. But we're going to see the X-Men, so we're going to see the Avengers being shitty. I bet, I bet you're I excited. I doubt that. I you doubt so? that they're going to make the Avengers the bad guys. And, like, half of them are gone now anyway. Jesus. <laughs> well, that's true. 
Okay, so his his basically he says we want a nation. Uh, we're gonna have our own nation, and all mutants can claim Krakoan citizenship. These simple demands are not negotiable. You closed your eyes last night, believing this world would be yours forever. That was your dream, and like mine, it was a lie. I fucking read that like poetry. Say what you will about Xavier. Say what you will about this, about his writing. I know you don't like this, but I mean, can you can you admit that that was kind of badass for him to just fucking telepathic message to everybody on Earth and declare that? That takes some balls. I think under that helmet, it is not the rest of Xavier's head. I believe it is Xavier's balls under that helmet. They are so huge that he has to keep a fucking helmet on all the time. He's got to keep a condom on that fucking thing all the time, Patty. Could be. (laughs) Oh, so then they show us the great captains. In times of conflict, they assume responsibility of defending the state. You like a term like that, right? The state. Yeah. The state, yeah. Yeah, so the captains, they've got magic. And that's dope. And Gorgon and Bishop and Cyclops is a captain commander. He is a commander. I hope he's going commando. <laughs> commando commander. Am I right, fellas? I, Am I right, ladies? I, Am I right, Patty? Yes. Thank you. I saw Gorgon on the list and I thought they were talking about the inhuman. Right. Like the entire time. <laughs> and I'm like, why <laughs> the fuck would they have that inhuman guy here? It doesn't make sense. And then apparently he's just like some obscure Wolverine character. Yeah, sort of. Which I've read every issue of Wolverine of all the series he's had. And I don't remember anybody ever being named Gorgon, but whatever. Let's just pick some random guy that nobody's ever heard of. What was funny about him, too, is I specifically remember this. When Norman Osborn was putting his second team of Dark Avengers together, you know, because with the first one, the Ken was the Dark Wolverine. The second time, he decided to put Gorgon in the Wolverine costume. I gotta show you that. I gotta show you that sometime. Gorgon was not happy about being asked to put on that costume. So I thought that that was very funny. And it was kind of cute that he had to wear it. But yeah, so so there's that. So the art of them around the council table is gorgeous. Emma is looking real hot. Apocalypse sitting beside Xavier and Magneto is still nuts. Doug is like lounging in a small tree right next to Krakoa's face. And he's like, release the hounds, big guy. First order of business, Sabretooth, right? The first meeting of the council is to start with laws, and they're using him as the fucking example. And this is crazy. They talk about a high crime as killing mutants, but how, but like, mutants cannot be killed. So Jean, in her eternal wisdom, says the highest crime is killing someone who can't come back. A mutant killing a human. And Sabretooth starts to threaten them, and then Emma goes quiet. And so he's mumbling. And then Gene, and it, like, it's bolded, is quiet. And he was just fucking drooling. I was like, that is the sexiest teamwork ever. Let's get more of that. I don't think Gene needed anybody to loosen the pickle jar for her, if you know what I'm saying. All right, well, you're putting the pickle in the mouth here, okay? Because nobody <laughs> said that she loosened the pickle jar. Well, you said it was teamwork, but Gene could have just done it on her own. Whatever, all right? They already said... Emma could have done it on her no, own, yeah? No, she clearly couldn't. She clearly could have. She clearly could I have because he I know more about Emma kept, than you. He kept, he kept <laughs> talking. He was mumbling. Okay, That's so not she talking. couldn't do it, clearly. He was mumbling. They already said Jean is an Omega level, and Emma is not. So do with that as you will. I will. Okay. Emma's the best. Uh-huh. <laughs> Except she's not. She's the best. Uh, all right, so, so the whole council... 
says, fuck you to Sabretooth. They decide to put him in stasis deep inside Krakoa. Xavier's telling him you'll be aware, but unable to act on it. And for how long? Forever, Creed. For that is how long mutant justice lasts. You are exiled. No, he gave a little caveat. He said there might come the day when we need you or something, and but until then, you're you're going down. That is scary as fuck. Cause imagine that. It's like uh, what's it called? A uh, fucking um, sleep paralysis. Yeah, I guess. But just imagine that. You know, it's not an execution. It's not even like oh, you know, we're putting you in prison. He is literally in stasis. He can't move, but he's aware of everything that happens all the time. That is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, I was uh, a little surprised that, like, Storm and Nightcrawler were cool with that. Right? But whatever. But other than that, so Mystique wants to hear from Kurt. He says we need to make more mutants. Wink, wink. (laughs) The parallel I drew from that was, um, you know, like Christianity spreading to the new world. We have to make more, you know, believers in our God. And so Kurt was doing something similar. I just thought it to mean that Kurt wanted to fuck a lot of ladies. That is possible, too. Yes, the the repressed religious man needs to sow his seed, and sow his seed he will. And so it's it's they come up with the first three laws. Law of Krakoa that no mutant may take a human life, right? Murder no man. There's also make more mutants and respect this sacred land. I love it. I love how one of the laws is make more mutants. So it is a law to fuck. It is a law to fuck, and to fuck they will. Because Wait, so that means that they're, they're anti-choice. What? What? <laughs> so say, okay, so Jean is like 16 now or whatever, right? And then, you know, she gets the one-eyed snake to come over and, you know, whoa, then whoa, she, whoa. She's, she's late. I don't know if abortions exist in comic books. But yeah, no, you bring up a good point, but I don't think she is 16. I think she's a little older, but you do make a good point regardless. And anyway, so, so they all fuck. At least we can assume that. That's what everybody has been saying. That was that party on Krakoa. Everybody's getting drunk and then they're fucking. And we see Siren. That was so amazing. I was so happy to see that. So happy to see her scream at Dazzler. It was beautiful. Skin is there. Uh, Sink. Sink is there. They were kind of, you know, to the side of the panel and, and hugging. And that was great. And Logan is, is trying to get everybody drunk because, you know, he wants to fuck everyone. He offers a beer to Gorgon. I thought that was cute. Gene passes a beer to Emma. Patty. Gene passes a beer to Emma. Uh-huh. You got nothing to say about that? That yeah. was such a joyous occasion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then Emma gives a sexy look to maybe Scott. I I don't know. But it was just all cute. It was all a lot of fun and just a really happy time. And then Apocalypse is sitting by himself in the corner, and that is literally me at a party. <laughs> you laugh because it's true. I yeah. can see that look on your face. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, and then we find out that there are two Krakoas somehow. We did? Yeah. Yeah, they showed one in the Atlantic and one in the Pacific. And, uh, you know, they have all the numbers kind of correlating to where it is on the map to show you what's what. And 18 is just dashes. And I'm like, that could be for Moira or it could be set aside for exile. We don't know yet. But anyway, I thought that this was a great issue. The art was gorgeous. Moira hidden away is what I figured. Uh, She has to live. The council and its members are interesting. And, like, I know you think it's stupid to trust these villains like Sinister and Exodus. And I agree to an extent. But Exodus is really powerful and really willing to follow somebody for what he believes is righteous. And right now, he thinks that the mutant leaders are righteous. Right now. Right now. I agree. I agree. I would be surprised if that lasted for the next few years. 
But right now, it seems like it works. Even Shaw, he has such little leverage. With Emma on board with Charles and Eric and all these other powerful mutants on board and a whole fucking nation, what the fuck is Sebastian Shaw going to do with his little club? He can't do anything. Even Apocalypse is buying into this, you know? Like, Sinister may be inherently shitty, but again, like, is he going to outright betray all these powerful mutants when they're all united? I don't think so. So somebody like Sinister who would betray them, there's going to be some sort of a long-term plan there, and it's slow, and it's going to be from the shadows. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, if you look at this kind of from, like, a UN perspective... Why? Because the U.S. has never followed any U.N. doctrines and just done whatever the fuck they wanted to, and there's never been any repercussions at all. Thank you for the history lesson. You're welcome. <laughs> no, but you, so you don't think that, um, that like, these, the mutants that we know as classically evil wouldn't try to pull some shit outright from the beginning overtly? You don't think that they might be trying to pull some shit, but it would be slow, long-term, and they would try to hide it? No, what I'm just saying is that they're definitely going to pull some shit. And it's probably going to be like all of them, all coming in from different angles at the same time. That is very interesting. You think it's going to be something like they're going to be uniting somehow? No, I think that they're all going to have their individual plans. One of them is going to see something coming, so they're going to launch their plan. Then the other one's going to see it coming, and they're going to launch their plan. And then there's just going to be, like, four plans going on at the same time. There's too many plans. Well. They've got too many plans. Well, they have too many villains. I don't know. I, I thought it was really, just a, a really nice way to end this issue, looking, uh, seeing everybody happy and, like, excited and party and whatever. And uh, I was honestly, like, looking forward to uh, Pox 6, but I was also kind of concerned. Like, okay, how are they going to end this on a down note, and how is this going to be, like, fucking terrifying? And it opens with, and now we build. So we we get some scenes that we have already seen before, but I think it is interesting to look Almost at again. this entire issue was just taken from previous issues. Really? Yes. I thought it was interesting to, uh, to look at again with sort of with what we know now. And so I liked how year 1000 ended up, but they really dragged their feet. Uh, so that's, that's my complaint. I've complained about it before, but the way it ended was, was nifty. And so the librarian mentions his augmented brain, and then Wolverine is there, and we see some sort of other mutants, and they seem sort of, because they're not saying anything, and not really acting, so my guess is they seem like sort of dumb and primitive in a way. Uh, but we, we only get dialogue from Logan. He tells the librarian that he fills their heads with stories of revolution and the enslaved rising up. So a librarian is a human with an augmented brain, and this fucking preserve is for mutants. We saw a, like, a sliver of this preserve in the very first fucking issue, and I thought it was humans at first. They were keeping humans in a preserve, and it's mutants. So this whole... Let's hope they never hold Dominion again. He was talking about mutants, and I thought he was talking about humans. But in year 1000, Logan still looks a little bit younger than old man Logan, which I thought was weird. So I assume Librarian has been keeping him alive and looking relatively youthful somehow. And then Moira shows up. Like, I mean, how? But at the same time, I've been saying this, she has to be alive somehow. Otherwise, the timeline will be reset, right? Uh, So Librarian says, you've done well surviving. Fortunately, you two have the same blood type. Uh, A millennium of depending on one another to survive. And I I can try to connect my own dots, but what? Somebody said on Facebook that 
Moira has been drinking Wolverine's blood and that's how she survived so long. And She's I was like, it literally never said that anywhere. She's but then when I reread it yeah, and about the same blood type, but then how is she helping Wolverine? Because it says depending on each other to survive. Blowjob. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I The fountain of youth is in his penis. I still Sorry, don't get this stupid. year 1000 shit. I don't get who the librarian is. I don't understand what he was saying. It okay. doesn't make sense. Okay, I get you. It, I, I had to look at it again a couple of times, too, to, to fully get it. But he knows. He knows what's up with Moira. Yeah, I got that. He knows that when she dies, timeline resets, right? Yeah. So what he's looking at is he's like, tomorrow is ascension. We're going to become one with the collective of the phalanx. But... If the phalanx destroys the planet with Moira on it, that's going to reset everything before he gets ascension and merges with phalanx and becomes part of godhood. So his plan is to send Moira off planet. So that way, it doesn't matter the planet's destroyed. He'll become one with the collective. He'll live on in godhood. But maybe I should allow you to die because when I merge with the phalanx, we're going to enter a black hole and we're going to exist beyond space and time. So it won't matter whether you're alive or not. But either either way, he can't let her die before he merges with the phalanx. Otherwise, time's going to reset. So why would he say that and allow Wolverine to kill her? Because he's a fucking idiot. No, he didn't. He did, the librarian didn't allow Wolverine to kill her. The fucking, the librarian dropped his guard. And this was insane when he was like talking about his fucking gross plan. And uh, he was talking about homo novissima, which I had to look up. And by the way, it means last, most recent, utmost. Those are the definitions. The last man there will ever be. Look around you. See the cage. That's inevitable. Not you being outside of it, you know. And, And I thought that was fucking nuts. But as he's going off on his little villainous diatribe, Logan catches him and slams the fucking claws through the fucking librarian's head and through the tree and kills him. That's how fast Wolverine moved. Because this dude is like, listen, like, you, you aren't going to take me down. Like, you know, we, all, we each have the power of ten supermen. Never mind you fucking mutants. But Wolverine still managed to kill him. So none of that shit matters anyway. I thought that was dope. I thought that was dope. A little silly. But still, that little blue fucker, I was so happy to see him die. You know what I mean? I don't really get the point of year 100 or year 1000 either. I feel like they were just kind of there for no reason. Think so? I don't feel like they served any purpose at all. I'll tell you what I think my what I think the purpose is. And I feel like Moira sort of drives it home. When we see her meet Charles Xavier again at the fair and we get some like extended scenes with him... She's really trying to fucking drive it home to Xavier that no matter what, we lose. No matter what, mutants lose. 1,000 years and mutants still lose. That's terrifying. That's what I think a lot of this is. Her living, you know, throughout year 100 and getting that knowledge. Her living through year 1000 and getting all that knowledge is trying to stop the machines that eventually come after them and the Nimrod technology, sure. Fuck. That was years that was life 6, right? And life 7, she she takes it a step further and kills all the fucking Trasks. Do you remember that when she yeah. became an assassin? She's trying all these different things living through all these years, decades, centuries. No matter what mutants lose, it was to drive that point home to Xavier. 
I think that's what the point was. That no matter fucking what you do, mutants are going to lose. We have to try something. And I think that there's a longer game that Moira is playing that we, the reader, don't even know yet. That I can't even sit here and try to make connections. You know, like I, like I sometimes do when we're talking about this stuff. I can't. I can't even make that connection. But we do know Moira is hiding more things. The end of this, where it was all Moira's journal, some of that was fucking redacted, that bitch. Let us see the fucking, let us see the fucking full Mueller report. God damn it. Let us see the full Moira report. <laughs> the, so, I don't know. There you go. That's, that's, that's my takeaway on that. What do you have to say? Uh, I don't like Inception. <laughs> You're going to kill me. <laughs> I, I didn't get the point of year 100 or year 1000 or year 1. For that, for that matter, year zero no year or one, whatever buddy. the fuck it, it was. It was year zero. <laughs> okay, I didn't yeah. get the point of any of this. Okay. I... World building. Jazz hands. It, they didn't build any worlds. <laughs> they just wasted, like, 12 weeks of my life. But you, they're gonna They're gonna have to live with that fact. But... But you got to spend those twelve weeks with me, Patty. Doesn't is doesn't isn't there some joy in that journey, Patty? Yeah. I'm giving Patty a back rub right now, and uh-huh. she's smiling. I love Patty. I love you too. I hope you guys all love Patty too. <laughs> Patty's allowed to not like things. It's okay. But honestly, what I am hoping, and I'm, I'm again, I've stated this like every episode lately, because historically, in in our podcast, there's typically stuff that we like and that we don't like, and you know, we disagree on things. Now, what I'm I'm hoping for, obviously, is that once we start getting the Dawn of X titles, and it's going to be interesting because at the in the very back of this issue, you see that they're releasing a new number one each week. So before there's like a number two of X-Men, we're going to have every the first issue of every one of these Dawn of X books out. I think that's an interesting way of introducing us into these smaller books. Okay. I mean, I hope that um, these other writers actually know the characters. Either that or we will get a more clear idea that these aren't the real X-Men because how he's been writing Jean and Mystique and Wolverine um, has been really off. And also, why would Nightcrawler have asked about dying when he's already died and gone to heaven? It doesn't make any sense. It's so it's that was really weird. And somebody else pointed that out, too. There's a, a bunch of weird things with Kurt. That started to dawn on me, uh, eh, dawn, a few days after reading. No, not even a few days, like a fucking week after reading it, too. Um, yeah, there are a lot of weird things going on, and I feel like there's some longer game that's being played now, and again, we can't connect all the dots, but there's like a lot of, not to be funny this time, but there's a lot more sinister things going on with mutants now than there have been before. Like, I'm still rooting for them, obviously. I'm still a fan, and I still want to see mutants, even if, you know, their methods aren't the greatest. I still want to take their side, you know? I mean, it was like Revolutionary Cyclops. I loved that motherfucker. That was one of my favorite things to come out of X-Men in recent history, you know what I mean? Like, people could look at that and be like, oh, that's no good, but I'm right there with him. Like, but this this is a little step further. There's more at play here that's making me feel uncomfortable with the situation that mutants are in. And I feel like we're going to step away from that a little bit in some of the books, probably like with New Mutants, but I feel like we're going to be faced with that a little bit more in Marauders. And I think it's going to be interesting. But I'm sure, you know, I'm just hoping for that there's some sort of normality like to the x-men again where we have like these different titles some are good some are bad some are good issues some are bad issues you know whatever 
that's what I'm looking forward to again. Like, honestly, I, I don't, I have not disliked Hawks Pox, but it's been a few weeks now where even though I've been overall enjoying this story, I have still just been ready to move on. It's because this isn't an X-Men story. This is... World building, jazz No, hands. it's an artsy, <laughs> pretentious comic book that has some X-Men characters in it. It's not actually an X-Men book. It doesn't feel like an X-Men book. It doesn't read like an X-Men book. It's just some crap that some Inception guy can write for Image that <laughs> everybody's jizzing their pants about that has X-Men characters you in wanna it. You want to check? You want to check if I did? You want to check if I did, honey? Look, it's mine. Look, honey, it's mine. I will say this, though. The whole reveal that this was the sixth life... I was like, all right, now we know. But it felt a little anticlimactic, except when I looked at this compared to the seventh life. But still, I don't even feel like her assassinating all of the Trasks in the seventh life lines up with what happened in the sixth life. Why was this being her sixth life? Why did that matter? Because they kept that hidden from us for like a bunch for like this entire time you remember I yeah think it but was, obviously that would have had to be her sixth life if they told us what happened every other life they specifically left life six out in hawks two when we found out yeah. that moira was living all these lifetimes but why yeah the, but that's what i'm saying i don't there know there was no point <laughs> that's why i that's why i'm saying it felt anticlimactic to me that that was like the reveal what would have been maybe a more effective reveal or even just slightly more effective was if they showed the timeline with a bunch of different events that happened along the way. Like they did in Hawks 2. They, they, you know, it was just a timeline. It was just a fucking data page. But there were still events pointed out alongside it. They didn't even do that with this. So I, I, I don't know. Like I said, it was, a, it was kind of anticlimactic. But yeah, of course, it, it makes sense now that, yeah, it's the one they left out. So now we know. I don't know. So Moira, what I do think is interesting, though, is how important they're making Moira, how she's like the most important mutant. It's not Charles Xavier anymore, you know, because, I mean, you you could say a lot of things about Charles Xavier. Sure. But at one time, he was the most important because he founded the X-Men. He put the X-Men together without that him putting together that original team. What the fuck would we have? But now it's Moira first. Moira is the one like. And she even says it like she's trying to mold Charles into something she thinks that he needs to be. And she states in in one of her journal entries, like, my concern is that I fracture his psyche and eventually unleash something unexpected on the world. Which sounds like an onslaught type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's scary. So, I, I don't know. But yeah, so this is where they mentioned that they faked Moira's death. That they also mentioned that we lost Magneto, you know, but then he's on the next page. So what... What is... I don't I don't understand. Maybe he's a fucking copy, too. And what I thought was really interesting is when they're talking about the problem mutants, right? And how Mystique is there, and he's like, we promised to bring Destiny back. And Moira's like, we cannot... You cannot do that. He goes, we know. <laughs> Moira's like, no precogs on Krakoa. He goes, we know. She goes, we cannot tolerate mutants who can see the future. He goes, we know. I just thought that was kind of a funny exchange. But we'll worry about that later or, or some bullshit. So we're going to get Destiny back on Krakoa is basically what's going to happen. Yay! <laughs> I'm excited for that. And people are like, people are saying like, oh, they should be more worried about telepaths than with precogs. And I'm like, I don't know about that. You know, I mean, she's she she got fucked by Destiny before. Because she's like a blip in the timeline and Destiny can read that and say there's something wrong with her. We need to go after her. You're so smart. That's that's what she said last time, that they caught her. 
The last time Destiny and them caught Moira. And them. Pyro was there. Okay, Destiny, Say his name, Pyro, name. and them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, but what she's, you know, she's worried about is they, you know, the fucking precog comes back and tells them this extremely fragile thing that we always lose. And Xavier is like, basically, this time it's going to be different. I thought her journal was interesting. The no precog thing is sort of terrifying. Uh, we got our answers for year 1000, even though I wish it could be shorter. But really, this issue is just ominous. I like how it featured Moira again so heavily. I, again, like I was saying before about her as the most important mutant as opposed to Charles is super interesting. I like that. But it also paints her in sort of like this villainous-ish sort of role in a way. You know, she's hiding herself. She's talking about breaking, you know, uh, Charles. It's it's very unsettling. I don't think Moira is anybody's favorite character, so if they, you know, fuck with her, I guess they don't care. She's always been my favorite character. That's <laughs> one thing you need to know about me, Patty. You should know. I don't like that they changed her history and just made her a mutant all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was kind of like, why? You why like- not just, like, create a new character? I don't know. You don't like retcons? No. Retcons <laughs> are the best kind of cons. I mean, Comic-Con is great. New York Comic-Con is great. But the retcon? That's where we want to be. We want to be at the retcon. That's what that Spider-Man Clone Saga story did. Did a retcon. And that's why everybody loved it. Because everybody loves the retcons, Patty. Yeah. But <laughs> So, is the cage really inevitable? Even if you're not into BDSM? If Charles has been dreaming a wrong dream, is the right dream a nocturnal emission? Clean your sheets, Chuck, and we'll be right back after the commercial break. Logan, wait. Out of my way, you egg-sucking piece of gutter trash. We could have died back there, Slim. But we didn't, Logan. And besides, I want to show you something. Here. The hell is this? Geekade.com. Are, are those articles and podcasts about geeky topics like video games, comic books, and anime? They sure are. Slim, I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Just check out geekade.com today. Oh, come here. The air is chilly, the days are short, and the leaves are falling. And that can only mean one thing. Geekade.com is in the middle of its annual 31 days of Halloween. Almost every day in October, you'll find articles and podcasts about something spooky and geeky on Geekade. Gary shows, movies, video games, and comics are just some of the topics you'll find at Geekade.com during the 31 days of Halloween. Aren't you in the mood for some Halloween-themed geekiness? I'm a Halloween whore for peanut butter cups. Check out Geekade.com today and join in the frightful fun. Okay, so... The only piece of news I wanted to bring up before we talk about some more interesting stuff is, uh, if you guys haven't heard, there is some trouble with the X-Men the Animated Series theme song about 23 years after the fact. (laughs) So yeah, so there's a guy, his name is Zoltan Crisco. Uh, He's suing Marvel Entertainment and others for copyright infringement due to the theme song's similarity to the theme of a Hungarian cop show from the 80s called Linda. So, Linda ran from 1984 to 1991, and X-Men ran from 92 to 97. The lawsuit not only lists Marvel, but Disney, Fox, Amazon, and more. 
The lawsuit alleges that all the success of X-Men the Animated Series franchise achieved for Marvel and many other companies is a result of the iconic song, and it was a stolen theme song. I really like that they waited so long so they could go after Disney for this. Like, (laughs) fucking A, man. That's awesome. You get it. I hope they win this lawsuit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you guys have to listen to the original it's pretty much spot on yeah yeah it, it is like i'm gonna post a link to this obviously you gotta listen to this i was not prepared for it to sound so similar i, I thought there was gonna be like slight similarities but yeah like the main fucking theme is right the there that that is in the original song. it is literally in linda yeah it was also inside linda the- all along <laughs> The video is really weird to that 80s Hungarian show. You know, uh, give it a listen to. Our friend Andy sent this to us, and it was very weird. We got to watch this show now. Yes. I'm just, I'm saying, no, no, not not the X-Men, the animated No, series. I know. We got to watch Linda. Yes. So what was that? Seven, seven or eight seasons? Yeah, good year, 1984. Yeah. Yeah, it was the year I was born. And, and then look, the X-Men. X-Men started in 92, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good year. Good year. Good years. So many parallels between Mutant Musings, the X-Men, and Hungary. <laughs> and Linda. Shout outs to Linda. Shout outs to Linda. Shout outs to Linda. I cannot fucking wait to watch Linda. So yeah, so that's nuts and that kind of stinks. And I saw um, the showrunner of X-Men the Animated Series, Eric Lewald, tweeting out like fucking uh, an actually from X-Men the Animated Series snippet gif of Magneto facepalming. And then he and then he fucking tweeted out like a bunch of the characters in the show like face palming. It was hilarious. I feel honestly, I feel bad for them. You know, not necessarily like you said, like Disney or whatever. You know, like, I don't fuck and Fox. Like, what the fuck do I care? And Amazon, and Amazon, fuck seriously? them. Take their money. But I do feel bad. Like I hope that the the people who worked very hard on X Men the Animated Series. Except for the guy who wrote the theme song. I hope the rest of them aren't in any shit. I'm fucking... I'm still not done with that book. I'm very fucking... Like, I've mentioned it before. I have very little time to myself. I'm still reading through the book previously on X-Men. It is a dope book. It's very fucking interesting. And yeah, there's one short chapter on the fucking theme song. And how they needed somebody to come up with this amazing thing to introduce mutants in just an intro and how how a guy came up with that, and it was nuts. And now we know the man fucking stole it. So again, I hope the, allegedly. I hope the, uh, <laughs> pff, yeah, it was all Linda's fault. We're gonna fucking victim blame. Um, now, but seriously, I hope that like Lou Walt and the other people who worked on the show, outside of the fucking composer, you know, I hope they don't don't get in any trouble. So anyway, <clears throat> before we talk about some spooky comics, we met two other people at. Uh, New York City Comic Con, who were kind of important. And one of them was Bill Sienkiewicz, who was a super nice guy. He was a super... We were upstairs because uh, Artist Alley is on the lowest level and on the highest level where, you know, con goers can go, um, like the third floor, is where, like, all the people with the stand selling merchandise are. And we're so we're walking along and I see, you know, Bill Sienkiewicz's art up. They have this big fucking display of, like, all the fucking pieces in frames hanging on the wall. And then we just, like, come around this corner, and there he is, just fucking sitting there. And I was like, oh, my God, it's him. I I had no idea what he looked like, so I was like, I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Yeah, like, we weren't even fucking prepared. I had no comic for him to sign. We hadn't even picked up the fucking New York Comic Con catalogs yet. And so we were just standing there. 
and we start bullshitting with him. And he's talking about, you know, fucking how he used to live in New Jersey and how it sucks getting around New Jersey and how he lived in Connecticut for a little bit, how he's been living in L.A., how he is with um, the cast members of New Mutants, um, how he's gotten friendly with some of them. And all that was dope. We're just shooting the shit. It was it was nuts. I, I thought I was going to fucking faint. But then I decided I need to get him something to sign. Nobody had new comics upstairs. I didn't think to check an artist alley. But I already owned this issue. And I was like, fuck it, I'll buy it again. Um, new Mutants number 18. And so I got it. And he fucking signed it. And he was really nice. He took a picture with us. He shook my hand. I'm a germaphobe. I was like, as a germaphobe, I never want to wash this hand again. I couldn't believe it. How nice he was. And we met one other person who worked on New Mutants number 18 and a lot of other X-Men comics. And uh, and so that was interesting. Yeah. Oh, Claremont man. did not like the new Hoxpox books. And we had to kind of stand there for like half an hour and explain it to him. It was my nightmare. It was funny to me. Um, it's a little funny to me, but it was also a fucking nightmare, Patty. He hated the concept of it. I asked him if he had been reading them, and he was like, I couldn't even make it through the first issue. It was so bad. I didn't understand, like, why anything was happening. So then Jonathan would just be like, oh, well, this is, you know, this is happening, and this is uh, happening, and he's like, why? And then I say another couple of sentences, why? No, but he was right. There's why? no point of the story that's going on. But even if even if he he's even if you think he's right and there's no point to the story, he was still a dick about it. Is what well, I'm saying. Well, you weren't Hickman, so I know. I and know. You weren't like, wow, this is my favorite story to ever come out. But also, he was so fucking grumpy. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a laugh and lighthearted. It was frowning and him trying to make sense of things in his own way. You know what I mean? That's kind of, it was just, it was very negative to me. And it made me think about how the past couple of days we have been seeing, and I, I unfollowed him from our account, how we, I don't know if you've seen any of it, but Liefeld having a fucking meltdown over, over fucking Hickman and how, and, and he even gave some shit to fucking Gale and Hot Shots. And how Major X was like this big fucking thing for Marvel. It's like, take a step back, like, bro. You know what I mean? Like, calm down a little bit. Like, like different things can exist. It's just, but it's him. It's who he is. Just shitting all over somebody else's. And, and like, there was no way out of it, you guys. I kept trying to change the subject. And he kept bringing it back to Hickman. And why? 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 Like I'm saying, it was a well, nightmare. Well, I guess he wanted to like know about what was happening, but he didn't want to read it himself because it was bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's how I see it. But also, you have to realize that this was like Saturday or Sunday. Saturday, Saturday night. Okay, so he had he he was there at least until we left on Friday, which was maybe almost oh no nine. He was. He was, yes, he yeah, was. He's still an artist, yeah. So he was there from like, what, 10 in the morning until 9 at night? Yeah. And then the same thing that day. So he's probably tired. He is an old man. I know. I know. He probably hasn't had his din-din. You know, he missed the early bird special. He, you know, like I get where you're coming from. But even like five years ago when we met him that first time, it was earlier in the day and he still wasn't the nicest guy. And now that's my experience with him. 
You know, a lot. I've seen other people like even from this past from last weekend. Well, two weekends ago now, by the time this comes out, like, oh, Claremont, he was such a nice guy. He took a photo with us, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I okay, maybe it's just me. I just rubbed the guy the wrong way or something. I don't know. He just wasn't very happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. So that wasn't too much fun, but he did sign my shit. And uh, both Claremont and Sienkiewicz worked on the Demon Bear story. Which, for those of you who don't know, it was a story that ran through New Mutants 18, 19, and 20 in the wonderful year of 1984. And uh, what do you think about Demon Bear, Patty? Do you have any thoughts? This is now the third time I've read this story. Do you hate it? I don't hate it. It's awful. Um... I hate it. It's awful. It's bad. It's stupid. Inception. I hate it. (laughs) Uh... The art on it is fantastic. I hate it. I'm just <laughs> messing with you. Um, just like the bear's face and everything is like fucking badass. I want to give him a kiss. <laughs> um, you don't want a bear kiss or a bear hug? Bear claw? You can eat those. Number one threat to America, bears. Whoa. Yeah, so this this whole story was just really trippy. Don't do drugs. <laughs> I think it was really good. And also we kind of got the uh, setup to Warlock here. So it was a little wonky. It was it's so like I get seeding little stories, you know, into something else that's going on. But it was just there was a couple of weird cutaways here. You know what I mean? First of all, in issue 18, you get Rachel for the first time in this timeline arriving yeah. at the mansion. And then you and know, she looks exactly like Rain, too. Yeah, she's, she's got the same hair. Yeah, she does. She does. And but then she leaves. And like, that's fine. Her entire story after this goes into Uncanny X-Men. And so, like, that's great for me, who was not around. Well, I was around in 1984. I was incapable of reading comics myself because I was an infant. But, you know, so if you're reading, you know, like, both titles or whatever, you know, maybe okay. But, like, it was just kind of weird. And same thing with, uh, same thing with Warlock. It was just, like, this weird fucking cutaway to like these weird alien fucking things and then this it just blasts out into space and it's kind of like what 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 i what how why <laughs> you know like like now obviously like now it doesn't matter and even when i first read these as a kid i was like oh, okay because i knew who warlock was but i'm just trying to think about this from like thinking about it from the perspective of, like this isn't the first time reading this ever it just looks kind of weird you know i don't know you have to ask me that like six years ago because i don't remember what i thought initially when i read this yeah, I mean, as soon as you fucking open the book, Danny is attached to the demon bear. As it looks like a fucking quilt, like, connecting the two of them. It was really interesting. And there's obviously a fucking, a ton of recap, uh, because it's it's Claremont, and he loves his recap. Um, but it's neat, they're all training in the danger room, the art's beautiful, the art of the bear is really creepy... And, you know, by the end of the issue, it's basically just Danny has known that this bear is coming for her. She's been she's run a fucking danger room training program against like an actual bear, not the demon bear, like an actual bear. You know, she fucking after she leaves the danger room in the fucking dark, there's the bear face. Ah. Um, she wants to avenge her parents. She calls out and then boom, there's a huge page of the bear. And she shoots at it with an arrow and it gets mad and picks her up and she sticks it in the mouth and he chomps down on it. That's fucking gross. I feel like that's a thing you do to an alligator, you know? Yes. 
That's what you're supposed to do. I don't know. We have right? to we have to learn about that before we move to Florida. We got to go to Florida. We have to go I, to Florida school. I feel like that's <laughs> We have to go to Florida school? Yeah, before we can move there. Is that how we 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 learn how to be Florida man? Yes. We learn all about the Florida man. Yes. Florida man tests. I, love I can't Florida wait for the Florida man. man. Yeah, I feel like that's what you do. You know, you just carry sticks around when you're in Florida. Because if an alligator comes by and he goes to chomp at you, he's got his mouth open, you just put the stick in there and he can't close his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can, um, what can you do? You can bring him back and roast him on the Spitfire. No, I'm not going to. I mean, you're. I was going to say you could like throw dynamite in his mouth then because I was thinking of a fucking. um... Looney Tunes? No, uh, Zelda. Oh, uh, but you gotta get him to open his mouth and throw bombs in his mouth. You yeah, know? one of one of those guys. I feel like it's in like every game. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna make a reference to Joe Dirt or something because that was a thing. You remember? Um, him yes, I love wrestle? that movie. Yeah, that's a terrible. It is an objectively terrible movie. That David movie Spade, is hilarious, David and I Spade. used to have such the crush on David Spade. Oh my God, Patty! Not what? not in that movie. Just that, in general. Oh my god, he is like I can look at him and the word twerp comes to mind. Like I feel like his full name is David Twerp Spade. He just seems like this smarmy little man. I'm David Spade. Man, I'm a weasel. Man, man. You know, I think they made a sequel to that movie. Fuck. Why did I just say that out loud? I, why did I need just say that to watch loud? that. Oh god. All right. So it looks like we're gonna be watching Joe Dirt the sequel now. So I'll let you guys know how that goes. <laughs> so uh, so Danny thinks that her fight is over after she hurts the demon bear, but fucking you cut to Rain, who wakes up from a nightmare and yells Danny's name. All the rest of the students gather. They run out into the snow, and they find her body, and it's all fucking bloody. And Sam has a gun. Why does Sam have a gun? He is the gun. Danny. I'm should... sorry, he is the bullet. Why does, why does he have a gun? Danny should have a gun. What? Danny's why should she have got a gun? A gun. No, that's oh Janie. God. Yes, it's Janie. Sam has a gun. Because Kentucky. Does he? I don't remember him having a gun. I read it he had a gun. Whatever. He had a gun in that issue. Yeah, when they run out into the snow, he's got a gun. And I'm like, my first thought is fucking Kentucky. Fuck Kentucky. Right? Fuck Kentucky. Yes. Yeah. I, There's the title yeah, of our episode. I don't, I don't know. Kentucky. It would make more sense for Sam. Uh, it would make more sense for uh, Bobby to have a gun. Why? Because, because it's nighttime. Bobby can't recharge his batteries during the nighttime. <laughs> Okay, so it will make sense. You know, he's got to balance out his sun battery ammo and his actual ammo for his gun. <laughs> so he can still attack people at nighttime. Just get night vision goggles. Gun. I don't think they Bam. Had, I don't think they had night vision goggles back in 1984. Okay, then just gun. Give him gun. He needs Give a gun. Give him gun and let him shoot in the dark. Exactly. That's exactly, that is exactly it. No. No sun. No. No, no you know what? No, you know what? No sun late at night. Give the man a gun and shove him off into the wild. You know That's what? I'm go pretty real well sure. When the police show up. I'm pretty sure the Punisher had night vision goggles around this point. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fact check that. So night vision goggles did exist in the mid '80s, I believe. <laughs> so what you're saying is a new mutant should have teamed up with the Punisher? Yes. <laughs> that would have been a cute story. Punisher could have, could have, you know, learnt Sam how to use that gun. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so yeah. So that's issue 18. Now in issue 19, they do get Danny to the hospital. And the fucking doctors are just listing everything wrong with this poor young girl. She got fractures. She got lacerations. She got blood loss. She got barely a pulse. 
She got crushed vertebrae. She got a concussion. She got blue balls. She got athlete's foot. She got eyebrows on point. She got anal seepage. Halitosis. She got halitosis. They, uh... She got the Joe dirt. They they said that also her back was broken and she was probably never going to walk again. Yeah, that was nice. They're like, the doctors even said something like, should oh we God. even bother saving her? Oh what kind of life God. would she have? What kind of fucking doctors do they have in upstate New York, you guys? That seems like a pretty ableist thing to say. <laughs> but I feel like that goes against the Hippocratic Oath. Against the Hippocratic Oath. I feel like I know more about... You know what? You know what, though? It's in their defense, I don't think we had the Hippocratic Oath back in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we did, you guys. I don't. So, yeah. So, But I love the detail and the dreariness surrounding Danny on the gurney. It's all got this fucking reddish hue. And I didn't even think about that until until I read this again right before we we recorded. Like that reddish hue. You know, blood. Blood's red. Oh, so you're saying that she was bleeding? Maybe. When they said that she needed like six containers of blood <laughs> and that they might have to get a donor on standby that didn't alert you to that she lost blood? Okay, so listen. What I'm just saying is that they colored like around the wall and around the gurney and around everything. It had a reddish hue onto it. I'm not saying she splattered her blood all over the place and she was fucking finger painting with it. No, I think that the red hue was to be like, this is dramatic. Right. Right. Also, the backup <laughs> generator was on, and sometimes it comes on like weird colors, and I think that I think it that could was, be red. That was later, though. This oh, was well, whatever. This was before the power went out. But So we get this cop that shows up, and that's Tom Corsi, and Roberto yells at him. And here's what's funny. Sam was wearing a Terry Austin fan club hat. Terry Austin is, a, is an inker for Marvel, or he was around this time and before then. So that was funny. He's an artist and Sam was wearing the hat. That's cute. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it was cute. So Sam figures that the bear that everyone believes mauled Danny is going to attack again. Again, Danny's been talking about the bear. She's been fighting bears the in the bear's danger room. The bear's gonna come into the hospital. The bear's Watch gonna... out. Yep. She said her parents were killed by one and the students are alone because of course they are because that's what we do with mutant children. We leave them all alone. Um, um a, excuse me, they said that Xavier was in, like, Massachusetts or something, so yeah. he was only a few hours away. <laughs> All right, fine. So, so Rain asks, you know, if we're going to get dressed for battle, if I can wear Danny's belt, and I thought that that was cute. So they do their psychic thing, and Danny is in the OR, and yeah, one of the doctors is like, she's never going to walk again. Amara is like, how, how can we fight this thing? It's magic. And and so that was, this was really neat. This was I if only we had a magic bitch who named herself Magic. Ilyana is in the same panel where Amara is standing there talking, and I think Sam was in the panel too. Ilyana is further back and like in the shadows, and she's like, "We'll give the beast a run for its money." She's so dope, so dope. But we have to cut away to more of this this the warlock seed, the warlock to come seed. The, yes. cum, the cum seed. The cum seed. The cum seed. And the star jammers. And I, I Stop lo- trying to make the star jammers happen. <laughs> they were so overdramatic about Warlock passing by. So so I think it was Corsair that was like, can we go after this creature? Waldo was like, pursue, yes, catch, no. So he goes, isn't there anything we can do? And I think it was fucking Lalandra there. It was like, wait, pray, and should the worst occur... 
Avenge. I was like, you overdramatic bitch. Come on. Yeah, there are really. already Avengers. Like, you can fucking... You can't even defend either. Because they're already defenders. Guys, I started reading <laughs> every appearance of Hellcat. Oh, here we go. Patty Poop Hour. So I started reading when she first appeared in Avengers. And then um, she was in the Defenders for quite a while. Um, I mean, not like, you know, 500 issues or something. But I started reading them. And then I started just skimming to the parts where she was. And now I'm going to quit reading them because they're just not good. I mean, I don't know if they're not good or I just don't care about any of the other characters or any of the things that are going on around them. But yeah, rip. Gonna read Punisher now. So if we take the hell cat. Yes. And we take the demon bear. Yes. What do we get? Cat bear. (laughs) Hell demon. Man bear pig. Man bear pig. (laughs) I was gonna say something stupid like hellhound, but I I think man bear pig would work best. Yes. We get so if you cross if you cross Hellcat with Demon Bear, you get Al Gore. <laughs> That's what we're saying. And so the art again is really dope. You know, I think I think by this point the power went out. But anyway, Wolfsbane is like creeping around the fucking corner in her wolf form, and the cop nearly shoots her because he thinks he sees a monster. But she turns back into her human form, and like he calms down. He's like, "Whoa, what the fuck is going on?" And then uh, he meets up with uh, the nurse, Sharon Friedlander. And he's trying to be fucking flirty with her. And I didn't like that. And then there's a huge fucking roar. And the art is terrifying. And the kids run. And they find blood on the floor. And then the bear shows up. And swats Roberto away. And claws at Ilyana. And the claws her arm. And with that fucking her costume coming off. There's armor underneath. Yeah, that was a thing that happened for a while. That they kind of just forgot about. Rah, 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 rah. I think it was Inferno. That's when her like whole armor turned into that big like full body armor, and then um, yeah, it, it just it after four years, it just never um, came up again. Four years. Well, I, I mean, after Inferno. Oh right. Well, but then a few years later, she died. She was a baby again, and she died. Yeah, she was a dead baby. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! So the power goes out. Generator kicks in. Ilyana puts a protection spell around the operating room. The bear swipes at it. The bear, like, can't really touch it. Cannonball blasts off the demon bear, and it fucking teleports. It takes the new mutants. It takes Tom and Sharon, and it takes the fucking operating room in some sort of little bubble, and they're somewhere out west, and it's really fucking creepy looking. So, like, the features on the bear are terrifying, most of it. There's not really any detail in its body, because uh, there's this huge mass covered in the same color fur, and that's fine. But like, the claws, the mouth, the eyes, it's so fucking rigid and scary. But the final couple of pages where the demon bear finally shows up again are just so fucking ominous and scary. I love it. Yeah, so the armor is helping Ileana right now because the bear is attacking her, and she's basically keeping like all of her energy on um, protecting the OR that has Danny in it. And then she split some of her, like all of her leftover energy to protect the generator room before he took her there. So she can't really do much right now. She's just using all of her energy trying to protect Danny. So she's kind of out of commission for right now. And there's this fucking terrifying page of the bear stabbing through Tom and Sharon and warping them. And... So they look like demons, but they also look like they're native. 
Because, I mean, that's what he, that's what he is. He's fucking, you know. He's like the Wendigo, but for uh, Native Americans. USA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the demon bear manages to slash the wall to the OR open for a second. Magma goes to fucking blast the demons, uh, Tom and Sharon, and Roberto, Roberto stops her. Uh, we can't kill them. And Amaro's like, listen, we're going to fucking die then, so we have to. But then one of them catches Roberto on a rope and throws him. And uh, I'm like, there's your fucking lesson, buddy. That's what you fucking get. And, uh, oh, this was nuts to see the bear put its claw right through Amara. And Ilyana stabs the bear in the paw. And Ilyana stabs uh, Amara, too. And Sam goes nuts at her. And Amara turns back to normal and yells at Sam. It's like, that's the power. That's what you need to do. She's got the power to stop this in her fucking sword. Yeah, and this is the whole time when Rain was being, okay, uh-oh. The whole first series of New Mutants was pretty much Rain just being a little bitch. Oh, my God. And just hating on magic oh and saying, God. like, oh, she's she's a demon. We can't trust her. Just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> I, I, I'm i sorry. I really hate Rain. <laughs> no, I get it. It's all right. So, so, yeah. So, Rain manages to do her fucking psychic rapport connection again with Danny. And learns how to fucking stop the bear. Yeah. The key is Ilyana's sword. Sam carries Ilyana up to its head. She splits the fucking bear's head in half. And again, the art is fucking magnificent. It's so good. Then boom, they're back in the hospital. And Rain even says Sharon and Tom are still red Indians. Like fucking 1984. Please don't fucking talk like that. But then William and Peg Lone Star appear. Who? They, they were the bear, but they're Danny's parents. Maybe the bear was the parents you made along the way. Oh, man. Why? Why? <laughs> so, you know, obviously Danny is happy to see her parents. Xavier had Storm get the Morlock healer to fix Danny. He's proud of the students. Proud enough to come back to New York. Yeah, after they are done saving the world and everything and tell him that he's proud. This was this was an amazing story. I love it. It is terrifying, not just for the content, but for the art. The art is lit. It is so fucking good. I, I, I assume everybody who is listening has read this story. If you haven't, you need to go fucking read it right now. It's on Marvel Unlimited. They actually, I, I was reading it today. They actually have every New Mutants Volume 1 comic on there now. Good. Which is awesome because when I was originally reading it, it was very sporadic and had like 20 issues. So, um, yeah, get on that. Yeah, seriously. I mean, we both love New Mutants War Children. It's all about the team. You know, it's about the students and their relationships with each other, their problems with each other, their inner demons. And that's what a lot of this was. We got to see them in a tough situation. One of their own was about to die and how they were going to try to handle that and help her. You know, again, this wasn't this wasn't Galactus or fucking Dr. Doom or something. You know, this was a fucking demon bear that was like terrifying one of their own and they took care of it. And it was a really it was a really great story. So we you know, we've been doing the podcast for like three years and I remember purposefully saving this story for us to talk about around the time the new mutants movie came out a very long time ago yep (laughs) and that got delayed and delayed and delayed and i think we needed something spoopy to talk about yeah and i remembered oh shit we haven't actually talked about demon bear so i'm going to use that for october so let's do that so we did i uh i loved it 
Yep. Good 10 out of 10 story. Mm-hmm. Fun for the whole family. Right. But not bears. But not bears. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, your parents will also like it and appreciate the fact that they're not a bear. Um, <laughs> I thought that the race swap thing was a little weird. Yes, it was. That was the only thing that I was like, why? And they brought up being like weird about it in later issues. And then they just kind of stopped appearing. So... Yeah, I think um, I think even Sharon might have died. I think she did. I forget. Corsa, I think, is still around, but I'm almost certain that Sharon died. I, I agree with you. The whole, you know, switching to fucking natives was... I, I mean, if, if, if... It was like a weird choice. Like, why make Betsy Asian? I don't know. It if, was stupid. If that had been broken after the bear was, you know, um, quote-unquote killed, then okay, you know, because it sort of made sense for this demon bear who, you know, terrorizes Native Americans to turn these people into Native demons. But once he was gone, they should have turned back. You yeah, know? I, I don't know. It was a weird choice. But, you know, other than that and the weird sort of Warlock and Rachel little things in there that are more just minor gripes, a fucking amazing story. Again, the art absolutely does it. Go read it. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. What did you think of the conclusion of Hox Pox? And do you think Demon Bear is a classic scary story? Join us in two weeks for our accidental Halloween spooktacular. And until then, that bear claw was right. Yum.